Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Well, grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 1. We continue in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 1. Reach the Gentiles. God's plan from the very beginning was to reach all people into his church. Jesus started his church with the Jewish race, but by the end of the book of Acts, the Gentiles are being reached from all over the known world because Christianity is for everybody. I think of the old children's song, Jesus Loves the Little Children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Christianity is universal. It is for everyone. The gospel is to go to every creature, every race, every class, every person. God is not discriminative. He's not biased. And the church should not be prejudiced. We should show the love of God to a hurting and lost world. God is calling the Gentiles. Now, the church is going through an adjustment. I don't know if you realize the first church was in Jerusalem, Israel, and it was made up of all Jews. Ironic. And now God's going to adjust them. They were his chosen people, his target group, his starting point. But from the Jews, God is going to go to every nationality, every race, to the ends of the earth. But it's going to take some adjusting for the church. And so God has sent an angel in a vision to Cornelius who is an important Gentile, who is to get saved, he is to get baptized with the Holy Spirit, he is to have spiritual gifts, and he is to revolutionize the church and to convince our leader, Peter, Simon Peter, the leader of the apostles, to let in the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Let's read it. Acts 10, verse 1. Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius. Caesarea was a key city for the Romans. They have occupied by force, taken over the land of Israel. And this is their main headquarters, a military base of Roman soldiers that the Jews don't want there. But God has targeted Caesarea and is after a Roman soldier named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort or a battalion, over a hundred plus soldiers, an enemy of the Jews. The Jews have been conquered. They hate the Romans. The Romans are Gentiles. They're dogs. And in Judaism and with Orthodox Jews, you'll see a great separation between them and the Gentile world. 
They don't have Gentile friends. They don't eat with them. They don't have them in their home. They don't touch them. Even the cemetery here in Reno, you'll see the Jewish cemetery separated from the Gentile cemetery. They won't even be buried next to you. <laughs> there is this separation. But Jesus is going to change everything. Verse 2, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. He gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. This Gentile Roman enemy of the Jews is different. He's a seeker. He's a proselyte. He has converted to Judaism even though he's not of the Jewish race. He seeks the true God of the Old Testament. He prays to him continually. He gives alms and money to charity, and he feeds the poor, and he helps God's chosen people. He respects the Lord, and God is after Cornelius, and God has heard his prayers and seen his work, and God is targeting him. Jesus is targeting you. He knows your name. He knows what you've done. He's after you. He wants to save you. He wants to bring you in to his family. Can I tell you, Cornelius is very holy and religious, and he has many good human works. He is practicing the Jewish faith, but it's not enough. You can even be a Pharisee and try to keep all the law, but you will still come up short. And good works cannot earn your way into heaven. And Cornelius needs a human witness, a Christian, to come to him and bring him the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, or nine hours of daylight, six plus nine would put you three o'clock on the calendar. It is the Jewish hour of prayer when the Jews offer incense offering at the temple. He too, like a proselyte, is praying and seeking God at the hour of prayer. He clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, heaven knows your name. God knows your number. He knows where you live, and he's after you. Maybe you've been seeking. Maybe you've been praying. God, are you out there? The prayer I would say is, say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. And he will. He'll give you a miracle. He'll give you a vision. He'll send you an angel, a witness, whatever he has to do to reach you. God wants you in his family. He wants you in his church. Verse 4, And fixing his gaze on him, and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? He's addressing God. God, you've sent your angel. Heaven is speaking. What do you want from me? And he said to him, your prayers and alms, the money you've given to the poor to help people, has ascended as memorial offering before God. God hears our prayers. He sees our giving. He even notices our good works. 
But no one can buy their way into heaven. No one can work their way to God. The finite man cannot reach the infinite holy God. We're all sinners and we fall so short. Verse 5. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send them to a man named Simon who is also called Peter. Simon Peter, the rock, the leader of the apostles. I don't even know if Cornelius knows who the apostles are and knows Simon Peter, but he is the key. He you are to send for him. Send a delegation. Meet with him. Listen to the message he will tell you. I have a plan. Verse 6. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. God can give you a dream, a, a revelation, a vision, a spiritual gift. He can get your attention. He can use supernatural means. And I believe when God speaks, he gives you details, names, places, dates, where it's specific. Do you see it? Simon Peter, staying with Simon the tanner. He tans animal skins. He has dead carcasses. He works with the hides of animals. Very unclean profession. And here the holy Jewish uh, apostle Peter is staying in an unclean home. I think it's God's way. He's changing Peter. He's opening him up. He's breaking the culture, the taboos, and the boundaries so that the Gentiles can come in. Verse 7. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. You're my ambassadors, my delegation. Make the appointment. I must meet with this important Simon, Peter. It is God's Gentile target. Cornelius, I'm after you. I'm going to bring you together. Heaven is matching you up with one lost soul and one disciple. God is into a matchup game. He's going to match you up. Maybe you're a lost soul. He's going to match you up with a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian, you're a disciple. He's going to match you up with a lost soul. Because God is into personal witnesses. People that will show his love and his kindness, his embrace, a hug, a verse, a scripture. And God is matching us up. God has someone for you to meet, to witness, to bring to the Lord, to invite to church, to open the doors. Do you see it? It could even be someone rejected, someone that's been your enemy. And God says, no more. You're to reach them. I'm sending you to meet with this person. God is changing disciples. He's changing our hearts and our attitudes. Peter has this heart like, no, no, not the Gentiles. We cannot let them in. 
but everything will change. Through a supernatural vision, Peter will see God's heavenly zoo come down to earth. Verse 9. Now the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Six hours of daylight, six plus six, puts us at 12 noon lunch. Peter leaves the house. He goes on top of the roof. He goes outside to pray. I love praying in my backyard. It's so green and peaceful, the birds, the trees, the green grass. And I feel like I'm closer to God when I encounter his nature and his God-made things. I encourage you, if you want to find God, get away from all the man-made things. Radio, TV, internet, smartphone, all the junk, all the technology, all the man-made stuff. Get away from it. Go to the mountain, go to the river, go to a garden and find God there. Moses goes to the mountaintop and he prays to God. Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he encounters his father. You'll, you'll find God hidden in nature with his fingerprints all over the things that he has made. From the roof, seeing the sky, the beauty of the day, he prays at 12 noon. Verse 10, but he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparation, he fell into a trance. He's praying and he's hungry and he's thinking about food and God is going to speak. Verse 11, and he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. It was like a gigantic picnic blanket. But instead of being filled with food, it is filled with all sorts of animals. And it's like God laying out the most incredible picnic banquet of live animals. Verse 12. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures, reptiles, snakes, creatures of the earth and birds of the air. How ironic, how bizarre. What does it mean? You ever get a, a dream, a vision from God, but you can't figure it out? Uh, Joseph and his, his dreams, the dreamer. But you need a gift of interpretation, you know. What does it mean? All these animals, clean and unclean. Animals that are considered filthy by Jewish standard. Verse 13. A voice came to him. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Kill these live animals and butcher them and eat them. Verse 14, but Peter said, by no means, Lord, no, Lord. Wrong answer. When heaven speaks to you, you're supposed to say, yes, Lord. You're supposed to say, here am I, Lord. Send me, Lord. 
Yes, Lord, what's your message? You never say, no, Lord. Those don't fit together. Lord means submission, obedience. I will do what you command. But Peter, being an Orthodox Jew, is like, I'm never going to eat some unclean, filthy food. No way. Don't say no to God. For I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Now, the Jews had dietary laws, especially for meat. And for the most part, you are not to eat scavenger animals like a dog or a cat. And you might say, I never eat a dog or a cat, but some cultures do. You're not supposed to eat a snake. Well, I, when I was in the Boy Scouts, we'd catch snakes and cook them and eat them, and they taste like chicken. <laughs> You're not supposed to eat a pig. Oh, my gosh, I love bacon. Yes, but a pig is a scavenger animal. And for the Jews, a scavenger animal could eat a dead carcass, could eat a rat that's infected with rabies, and you eat a scavenger animal, and now you're going to get that sickness and disease, and you're going to die. You would not eat like a vulture. It's eating off a carcass. But, of course, nowadays you can uh, corral your animal and protect it and control what it eats to protect you from danger. But for the most part, you do not eat scavenger animals, even like a crab or shrimp or a lobster, because they eat the trash at the bottom of the sea. And if they eat something bad and you eat it at the wrong time of the season, you can be in trouble. So God protects his people, his holy people, and they don't eat unholy or non-kosher foods. So Peter's like, I ain't going to eat this filthy thing. I'm going to eat a dog. I ain't going to eat a pig. I ain't going to eat a snake or a lizard. It's unclean. 15. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. The Jews consider Gentiles unclean. The Samaritans were considered dogs. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, right? But Jesus breaks the taboo. He goes to the woman at the well. Why is it you being a Jew are talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Because God loves us all. But I'm so dirty. My life's so filthy. Can I tell you because of the cross? Because of Jesus, because of his blood, everyone can become clean. You need not be separated from God anymore. You know, I look at the Old Testament law. It kept away Gentiles. It kept away the handicapped. It kept away bleeders. It kept away even women could not go to the highest levels. Only the priests and only the high priest himself could enter the Holy of Holies. But the cross and the blood have changed everything and the walls are broken and the barrier is divided and the curtain has been ripped and you can enter the very holy of holies through the blood of jesus there's no more clean and unclean dirty filthy people 
Jesus has paid the price to bring us home, to let us in. 16. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into heaven. Down comes the zoo, kill and eat. Up it goes. No, I, this is crazy. Down comes the zoo. There's some pigs in there, oink, oink. You know, I'm not going to eat a pig. What does it mean? Why three times? Why the emphasis? God, what are you trying to tell me? Why is the lesson repeating? I don't understand. What does it have to do with wild animals and unclean, filthy animals? I don't get it. I had a pastor come visit me from a foreign country. He's not an American. And he was just a wonderful Christian man in my home. And he says, John, I have a problem with your house. You know, you have this big dog, German Shepherd, named Shiloh. And you let him into your house, and, and you treat him like he's a human, and he's like a member of your family, and, and he's, he's a dirty animal, and he's unclean, and he should be kept outside, and he carries diseases and fleas and stuff. You Americans, you like treat your animals like they're human. And I said, yeah, I do, because he's my baby. <laughs> and I hug him, you know, he's my baby. He's a member of my family. But he's filthy unclean. Well, I clean him up. Give him a bath. Get the fleas out, yes? And I adopt him. And I bring in this unclean animal. And he says, I just don't understand. And I said, it's like the Bible. You're a pastor. You're a missionary. It's like the shepherd and his little lamb. Shepherd and his sheep. Shepherd loves his sheep. He goes after it. He finds it. He leaves the 99, finds the one, wears it around his neck. He loves it. He values it. It is one of his family members. And that's how God treats us. You might say, that person's filthy. They're a dog. All men are dogs. <laughs> that person is a savage. That person's nasty. Oh, but God cleans us up and he brings us in to his very home. My German shepherd died. I had to put him to sleep. And I'm like, I got to get another. So I go to the German shepherd rescue. I don't want... I don't want the dogs to die. I want to adopt one. And the lady says, well, John, all we got that's available right now is a king shepherd. And I said, what's a king shepherd? It's like a German shepherd on steroids. It's gigantic. <laughs> he's like 150 pounds, and he's all muscle, and he's big bone, and he's built like a tank. And his name is Alfie. So I bring Alfie home. Alfie was living, you know, with 20 dogs and kennels outside and dirt and filth. And he brought in that dog mentality. He comes into my house, and you know what he does? He sits on the couch. He jumps on the furniture. He gets into my trash cans, and he starts pulling it out. And, and the worst of all things is he lays next to the front door so that I can't leave because he doesn't want me to leave him to go to work. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll move this dog. He's like, you know, 100 and some pounds, all muscle. I could not physically move that dog from the door. I got to go to work. He's blocking me in. What am I going to do? I call her, what should I do? And she says, get the squirt bottle. <laughs> 
German shepherds hate being squirted in the face. And I thought, a squirt bottle's going to move 150 pounds? Oh, yes. <laughs> and I said, okay, Alfie, move. I'm going to squirt you. Squirt him in the face. And he would do this. Oh, I'm crying. I'll do whatever. You know, I'll submit. Please stop. I'll, I'll obey now. And I'm like, great. No more furniture. No more digging in the trash. No more blocking the door. I said, you've lived like a wild animal, but now you're going to be domesticated. <laughs> you're going to learn how to live with a human. Can I tell you that's what God does? Have you lived like a dog? Have you lived filthy like a monster, like a beast? And God has brought you into his home. And he's domesticating you. He's giving you a new heart, a new attitude. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno, at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567, and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.